I may proclaim to you the word of our God as we find that in Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5. We'll read those verses again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So far. The theme for the sermon is commit your ways to the Lord. And after the sermon, we will sing Psalm 37, the stanzas 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, there's really no decision in life that is more important for a man or for a woman than to commit their lives to the service of the Lord. And being committed to the Lord as living members of his church changes everything. When we commit our lives to the Lord and to his service, that will impact our habits, our attitude, our behavior at work and school, our involvement in church life, how we interact with others in social functions, how we go through life as a single person, how we act as a married couple, and in the education of our children. Being committed to the Lord, we do not fritter our life away on trivialities and frivolities. No matter who we are and where we are and what we do and where we do it, we're to seek the furtherance of God's kingdom and the edification of his church. And as members of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are to stand beside each other in our devotion and commitment to the Lord. The life of a child of God is all about commitment, trust, delighting in God. And to stand firm in committing our ways to the Lord, that is to be at the center of our lives, of our home life, of what we do together as a man and wife, and how we are with our children. And that needs to manifest itself in a real and living way. Our marriages, our family life, need to be governed by a different set of standards. And the same thing holds true for those who are not married. You're not on the fringes, but you're vital to the functioning of the body of Christ. And so you are to devote yourself to matters that pertain to God's kingdom and church. Being committed to the Lord beautifies the place where we live. It adorns who we are, even if the strain of life is written on our faces. During the years of our earthly journey, there will be things that will tug away at our hearts and try to distract us from committing our ways to the Lord. 
We'll have to work through frustrations and disappointments and tensions and temptations. Circumstances arise in our personal lives and in our families that tempt us to look at other people and other families and to be jealous of what they have. Now, we all understand the importance of commitment, but what exactly does it mean? Literally, to commit in the Hebrew language is to roll. You know how a dog will roll over on his back as a sign of submission. And sometimes that submission is born out of fear. But here, in a way, the psalmist calls us to roll over as an act of submission born out of the recognition of God's grace, love, mercy, and goodness. To, com to commit is also to yield, to totally and unequivocally give up control, to surrender ourselves totally. Commit your ways to the Lord. That is not determined by how we feel, but it is an attitude coming from your heart, involving total devotion, total dedication, total trust. And these things you can do because you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, commitment to the Lord stands at the heart of the instruction of Psalm 37. The psalmist writes, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in the Lord, and he will do this. So the psalm makes clear that when we commit our ways to the Lord, we are placed before definite choices. Will you delight in the Lord and trust in Him? Or will you fret and worry about this or that and act as if there is no God who is in charge? The psalmist makes clear that the choice is between the pleasures of the present and the promises of the future. The choice is between faith and no faith. The choice is between living for our own goals and in the end destroying yourself or for God and receiving everlasting rest and security. So what will it be? Will you be bothered by the prosperity of the wicked? Will you get all bent out of shape about the injustices that you sometimes see also when you are in the workplace? Or will you bend under the providence of the Lord in a spirit of humility and meekness? How will you live? And what do you want out of life? What do you want and expect from each other in marriage life? Whose kingdom will you build? Christ or your own? What are you committed to doing? And it is very clear from the psalm what the answer should be for those who are committed to the Lord. 
But that's when we set ourselves up for all sorts of trouble. People are always talking about their commitments. They can have their day planner filled with so many commitments that they have no time to commit their ways to the Lord. And the tendency is to let ourselves get distracted by all sorts of stuff so that we are rolling over, so to speak, and submitting in fear to others. And then we complain about how crazy busy we are. And it may be busyness being committed to good things, but we have forgotten that committing your ways to the Lord comes first before we set out to do good. Committing our ways to the Lord. We take whatever burdens us and we give it over to the Lord knowing that He alone can truly help us when we trust in God's love when we roll away the burden of our hearts to His care, our thoughts will be established and we can live in the confidence that the Lord is directing our ways. We can feed on His faithfulness. When you commit your ways to the Lord and trust in Him, you need not worry about things because you leave the government of the world in the hands of the Lord. And then you can rest in the Lord and be patient. Committing your ways to the Lord is to say God and God alone created all these things we call our own. From the mighty to the small, the glory in them all is God's and God alone. It is to believe that God and God alone reveals the truth of all we call unknown. And the best and the worst of man won't change the master's plan because it's God's and God's alone. Brothers and sisters, all too often we are our own worst enemies, aren't we? We become unhappy and irritable and cynical and cranky and bitter because we're not committing our ways to the Lord. We're not delighting in the Lord or trusting in His direction, and we aren't feeding on His faithfulness, but we're running around. So busy with all sorts of things, but not with the focus on these things that are before us this afternoon. What we want and what we experience are on a collision course with what we do. We say some things matter to us, but the way we live our lives shows something different. For example, we tell people that God is important to us. But if they take a close look at our lives, what we do every day, will they find evidence to support that claim? Do we give everything over to the Lord? Do we surrender it all to Him and let Him rule our lives? If God is really important to us, don't you think that 
Our lifestyle needs to be designed around this. Or does God need to jolt us out of our complacency and self-reliance before we will amend our ways and commit ourselves to him? Now, each of us has the same 24-hour day to live our lives. We can't do everything that we want to do in this 24-hour day. And so we have to make choices. We need to set priorities. If God designed our lives and God designed our day, then the best way to make choices is to do what God intends for us to do in that 24-hour period. Delight yourself in the Lord and commit your ways to Him. Make the right choices and indicate that you are committed to the Lord, that you give things over to Him with all your heart. And all of this calls us to show meekness and humility. And that's why verse 11 concludes, but the meek shall possess the land and enjoy great peace. The meek are those who view their own role in relationship to God as that of a servant who quietly goes about doing God's will. Meekness is associated with a life of humility and service rather than a life of worldly pleasure and abundance. Meekness is the opposite of pride. The meek are not out for themselves. Their prime concern is the Lord, His kingdom, His church, His name, His glory. And the meek know themselves to be absolutely dependent on God. They have a modest spirit, patiently enduring trial and tribulation, and they expect everything from God alone and trust His leadership. They wait for him to fulfill his word to them and to provide for them in his time. While committing our ways to the Lord requires such humility and meekness. It's the only way to enjoy true peace. Humility is to permeate the entire personality and the attitude of a Christian. Now, the first 11 verses of Psalm 37, as we read that this afternoon, lay down a number of imperatives whereby that humility will grow and develop in us as we commit our ways to the Lord. And the first thing that is placed before us is that we are not to fret. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong, because they will soon wither like grass. Oh, there is a natural tendency to be jealous of the successes of non-believers, especially when Christian service creates the opposite, and that can affect our commitment. Those who do not know the Lord seem to have it so much easier. They earn good money, they're able to spend it on their home, their vacations, their nice clothing, sweet-looking vehicles, and all those things can bring them pleasure. But what do believers have? They have payments for church and for Christian education. 
that are larger than a standard mortgage. But brothers and sisters, why worry? The psalmist has learned from experience, life experience, that there's no reason to fret. I was young, he says in verse 25, and now I am old and I have never seen the righteous in a bad state, left begging in the streets. They faithfully fulfill their commitments and they are generous with what they have and they are not forsaken. The success of evil men, on the other hand, is superficial and not to be envied. Their happiness is temporary, and although it may appear to be attractive, it is shallow. Think about it. Should you envy something which lasts only a few decades when you have received riches and blessings in Christ that last an eternity? And that is why the psalmist tells us, don't fret. Stop it. Don't do that. And he says it in verse 1 and in verse 7, and in just ca in case we missed it, he says it one more time in verse 8. In Christian life, it is important that we don't fret. And when we commit our ways to the Lord, there is no reason whatsoever to fret. Brothers and sisters, do not fret, but trust in the Lord. Do good. Feed on his faithfulness. Dwell in the land. Delight in the Lord and commit your ways to him. In verse 3, David says, trust in the Lord and do good. And in verse 5, he repeats it, trust in him. And to trust is to have full confidence that you can give things over to the Lord, that you can surrender to Him because the Lord knows what is best for you. To trust is to acknowledge that you are helpless in yourself and secure in another. Trusting is to go about your daily work knowing the Lord God has ultimate control over all that happens in this world. Even if sinful and painful things happen, God will work things out for His purpose. And isn't that where the promises of God spoken about in baptism direct us as well? Jeremy and Benita, this is what needs to be the focus of the time that you spend educating and teaching Milo. People can be demanding and try to distract us. But the first thing that Milo needs to do is to delight in the Lord, to trust, to commit his way to the Lord, to feed on his faithfulness. And that's when the Lord gives us the desires of our hearts. That's when we are blessed. God is to be trusted because in all that he does, he shows to us that he is the living God. He's reliable and trustworthy. What the Lord says he does, he has never broken one of his promises and therefore he deserves all our trust. Every word he has spoken can be backed up. It is true. 
and we need not doubt that for a moment. And how clearly that is shown to us in Christ. God promised that he would give us a Savior, and he did. He gave us the one who has promised to redeem all our life. Brothers and sisters, committing our ways to the Lord, we should not fret or be envious of others. Instead, we need to trust in the Lord, in the God who created us, in the God who redeems our life, who loves us, who bought us, who brought us together as his people. And trusting, into the Lord, trusting in the Lord means that we have to give things over to him. In society, trust is so easily shattered by one bad move or by one statement which shouldn't have been said. We point the finger at all those we cannot trust. But really, we cannot even trust ourselves because of our sinful disposition. But with our God, we can have all the confidence in the world. And the more we learn to know him, who he is, and what he has done for us, the more we learn to love him. God is not a stranger to us. He is the Lord who never disappoints. Beloved, trust him for who he is, your God. Trust that he will give you all that you need for your daily life. He will provide, even when you least expect it. And think of all the worrying you can get rid of by trusting in the Lord. He will take care of you in all situations, even when you may go through experiences that cause you to cry yourself to sleep. Trusting in the Lord will give you tremendous calm and peace. And isn't it wonderful that you can have complete confidence in your God. Now that trusting in the Lord does not make you lazy or inactive, but you do good things in total dependence on God. The first thing that you are to do every day is to get on your knees and to acknowledge, Lord, you can be trusted. I believe that to be true. I know that you will provide for me in all matters of my life including matters of food and clothing and finance and business. Remove from me the temptation to fret and worry or to be jealous when others seem to be more successful and make me devoted to you and to your Son. Trust in the Lord your covenant God and do good. And that also means that you will do good things to each other things that build and serve the well-being of the family and of the life of the church. Trusting God does not mean that you think that he will give you everything you want, but it is believing that he will give you what you need every day of your life. Trusting God means that in spite of your doubts, your questions, your fears, you draw on his grace and continue to believe that he is faithful. What the Lord says he does, he's never broken one of his promises. How well, clearly again he has shown this to us in Christ. 
He gave us the one who he has promised, the one to redeem our life. And since the Lord gave his son Jesus, as he said he would, you can be certain that he will give his sons and his daughters all things in Jesus. The Lord is true to his word, and you are to feed on his faithfulness by repeatedly rehearsing and reiterating the great things he has done in your life through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you need to feed and nourish yourself on a diet of God's faithfulness. It is easy to wake up in the morning and feed on negative thoughts, and then to go through the whole day grumpy and irritable. But when you feed on God's faithfulness, you will learn to see the sunrise from a new perspective. At the dawn of every new day, God's mercy is new. And in spite of all the failings of the previous day, God in his great faithfulness makes a new start with you. And how can you know this is true? Well, by repeatedly turning your attention to the book that speaks of God's great faithfulness in redeeming sinners. You feed on his faithfulness by listening to what the Lord Jesus Christ says to you in the gospel, by gathering together with God's people in the place where he feeds you in the green pastures of his word. Now, when you trust in the Lord, when you do good, when you feed on his faithfulness, you will also delight in the Lord. And to delight is to enjoy and take great pleasure in something. Delighting in the Lord is that inner thrill that warms your heart as you take pleasure in Him and in His work. He gives you deep satisfaction. You see how He is perfectly gracious, merciful, compassionate, kind, patient, and loving. And delighting in God manifests itself in that you enjoy being in His presence and in the congregation of His people. Taking pleasure in the Lord means he has preeminence in everything. And when you delight in the Lord, you can also be sure that he will give you the desires of your heart. No, God does not give you whatever suits your fancy, but he gives you himself. The desire of a sanctified heart is this, to know, love, and live for God, to please Him and to glorify Him. And when we delight in the Lord, He will give us what it takes to do these things. And there is one more thing that we need to take note of before we wrap things up. Psalm 37, verse 3 and 5, has three imperatives. Trust, delight, commit. And these three are followed by the command to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And when we skip down further into the psalm, we find much the same thing said. 
when we're told to wait for the Lord and to keep his way. Well, brothers and sisters, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Commit your ways to the Lord and, in, and delight in what he has done in Jesus Christ. Be still for the presence of the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on the future, on what you have in Jesus. Oh, the road ahead may not always be easy, but it can be traveled in God's strength. And that calls for trust. Keep reminding each other as people of God not to fret or to worry, but to trust in the Lord, to do good, to delight in the Lord, and to commit your ways to Him. And doing this, you know that He will lead you where He wants you to be. Amen.